Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, I'm Steph. And I'm Simon. And welcome to The Food Fight where we offer a different perspective on food culture issues around Australia and the world. We'll talk with chefs, producers, business owners and experts to hear their stories and find out what makes them tick. Today is a COVID-free escapist episode where Simon and I talk about our favourite foods and how to prepare them. Enjoy. All right, welcome to another Small Bites segment of the Food Fight podcast. This is where me, Steph, and Simon Hello. <laughs> talk a bit of shit, and uh, we'll, we can answer some questions from the audience in future episodes, but um, we're just going to have a bit of a chat, and what I wanted to talk about today... Extra content. Extra content. Content. Um, <laughs> Simon is... Uh, we want to talk about our favorite stuff to eat and why... So, Simon, like, do you have, when people ask you, what's your favorite food? Literally happens, like, so often that I've come up with a stock answer. Okay. Which is kind of true. Like, it's, it is sort of, but it just sounds really good when I say it. Okay. It's Tell me. Like, rather than it being, like, really my favorite thing. Because people ask, like, if the chefs, people always like, what's your signature dish? What's your favorite thing to eat? Someone I know asked you today, like, how many recipes do you know? <laughs> Which you're like, is, is that how we rate chefs? Now? I don't think I know any recipes. Well, for, yeah. off by heart. I'm just a natural, so. Just cook from instinct, you know? Yeah, it's instinct. <laughs> um, but, so my stock answer is a perfectly roast chicken because it is something that people fuck up all the time. So when you do do it, and it is quite easy to do properly, it just takes like time and effort, yep. which is basically what is good cooking. When you actually do a, a properly well-roasted and rested and carved chicken, people freak out like they've never tasted chicken before. Really? Yeah, people, just, like, cause people fuck chicken all the time. Because can t- chicken can take a beating. Yeah. It can take a battering. Like you can overcook it and you're still like, oh, it's still chicken. It still tastes all right. Well, I think the difference between a well-raised chicken and just a little bird that you buy at well, Woolies for 10 bucks that can is a huge a difference as well. Yeah. yeah, if you buy buy a good chicken and cook it even like badly. If you get, get get a good chicken and a bad chicken cook them both badly, the good chicken will still be better. Here's some here, give me some chicken chicken facts. Um what makes poulet de bresse uh yellow? Um so it's the grain that they're fed. Uh so it's their diet. Right. Which gives it that that taste um so uh, do we just like because we don't have really we don't have yellow chickens in australia you, you might find them in some places do. Some, do sometimes grain-fed chicken can be like artificially dyed to give it that yellow yellow um right yellow color a lot of time it's, it's nothing to do with the feed but like something like pull the breast has been you know, selected over centuries um 
and is probably fed on like a hectic diet of grains soaked in fuck, fuck knows what yeah to kind of give it that color so that's that's you know a very specialized product that's been you know developed over years and years and years of animal husbandry mm, okay um but you get you do get like the most important is just, just get a good chick good free-range chicken like and the you know the breeds of chicken they use for um like mass farming are just badly just well they were just they're all they're all breast they yeah. fuck all leg um we even got some like uh ex ex laying chicken so it's a different breed from like meat-eating chicken mm. there's a farm that does it somewhere i think brendan cato dropped them off for us actually because he was using them and pulled it out of the bag and it literally looks like a different animal yep it's like it's like big legs um, like big wings, uh, breast is kind of sloped and small, and it looked literally does not look anything like or resemble a chicken you buy in the supermarket. That was quite shocking when I saw that. Yeah, right. I was like, Fuck, that's something's something's gone wrong here. Um, right. But it was delicious. It had so much flavour. Um, okay, well then, okay, so tell me, I want to know your techniques for for cooking said chicken. Where, like, where would you where would you source it in Wollongong, like, or, you, or anywhere? So, uh, even like Coles and Woolies, you, they do often, not always, have some like better quality chicken. Like Coles stock um, uh, game farm chicken okay. quite often, which which we we source a lot of our game from that company. Um, they're really good, really good quality. Uh, so they, they're, they're corn-fed chickens, um, and they're really delicious. If not, go to your butcher. See what he has. Um, me with poultry? Do you get chicken from there? Uh, no, we get we, when we do ducks, we get ducks from there. Okay, right, but they uh, do have chook. Yeah, it's it's a it's almost a bit of a funny one. I think it's actually like a kind of coalition of farms. Oh, okay. It's not kind of one small farm. It's a big kind of industry up there. Mm. Um, so it's not quite the small farm. I think people might associate with it occasionally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you, if you go, to, go to like a good butcher and ask if they can get you a good chicken or if they have good chicken, they should hopefully yep. have good whole chicken. I know um I know the guys at Buena Vista Farm down in um, Jerangong do yeah, do chicken as well. Yeah, yeah um, so if you go to like, your farmers markets, it might be yeah similar. farmers markets, good or you chop. can definitely I I think you can get you can order it from the Buena Vista website for like when they do slaughter like a batch of chickens and yeah, stuff. Cool. They put it out there to the to the people that are on their newsletter you and social really media. You really can notice difference because it's something like everyone eats so often. You do just kind of get um, acclimatized to it being bland white meat. Yeah. And just being like like a flavor soaker. So it's, you know, it's great in stir fries, it's great in curries, it's great in all this stuff because it just soaks up and it's taste of whatever you're cooking it in. Yeah. But like an actual good chicken has its own taste and its mm. own flavor. And if you cook it properly. For sure. I, um, I went to... Like and 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 for that reason, kind of, I've I, I've kind of avoided ordering chicken at nice restaurants a lot of the time. Yeah, like I'll go you, for the fish, or I'll go yeah, for the shellfish, or the. You eat it all the time. Yeah, but uh, I when I went when I went for dinner at Fred's uh, for Maine, I had this uh, deboned Maryland that they did in the wood oven, mm. um, just with like a really simple sort of like tomato and um, fresh, like well not fresh, but uh, a tomato and cannellini bean. Uh, like sauce it's just like some lemon and rosemary and oh, yeah. like and the way that they did it in, in that wood fire oven with the crispy skin and like little burnt patches and mm. and the, and just the flavor I don't know where they got that chicken from but the flavor of that chicken it was seriously one of the most delicious things I've ever eaten yeah, it was it's literally so like good chicken somehow managed to become like the thing people eat the most and the most underrated <clears throat> at the same time yeah yeah exactly um, so 
tell me what you're doing with your bird to make it like awesome. What are the what are the things that people do wrong, or what are the little tips and tricks well, to to make it awesome? A, a chicken's a shit shape because the legs cook a different type than the breast. Yeah. So you, you're kind of fucked from the start. So if you want to keep it whole, which is kind of nice, like realistically, to cook a chicken perfectly, take it all apart and cook it individually. But it is nice. I like the ceremony of taking a whole chicken out of the oven. Yeah. Um, best way is to start. Well, first, first thing I always do, if I'm, if I'm going to make a fucking thing of it, like a Christmas, I brined it for about five hours and then left it out in the fridge overnight to dry out. So why do you brine it? So that basically like it seasons it from the inside. So the meat wants to become a like equilibrium with the, the salt mixture, the, yep. salt, you know, the salt solution. So it takes in that salt liquid into the meat. Um, but yeah, it seasons it from the middle and makes yep. it extra juicy. Yep. So that will stop it from drying out. And then leaving it, leaving then the whole bird out overnight will dry out the skin, which will help you get crispier skin because by brining it, you're moistening the skin. You have to kind of counteract it. Yep. Don't do that at home because it's take you two days. Just leave the chicken out on a plate uncovered the night before because that will dry the skin out and that will help you get real crispy skin. Yep. Like key number one. Um, don't salt it either because that will pull moisture out and that will make it wet again and you open up a can of worms. Right. Um, so let it dry out in the, in, the, in the fridge. Get your oven real hot. Get a good old trivet of vegetables in the bottom of a pan and cook the chicken for the first 15, 20 minutes. What would you know, technically be upside down? Hold on. So I don't know if we've skipped anything, but we've skipped stuff that I would normally do. What would you do? Do you trust it? Nah. Because no. that, that tightens it up and it makes it it makes it cook unevenly. Okay. Trussing is just for show. Right. It's it's yeah. It, it doesn't it doesn't help it it cook because it's tight because it's tight. That means those little areas in between the breast and the leg, which are notoriously hard to cook, they're all pushed together. So no heat's getting in there, and it takes longer to cook, and it will right. cook more unevenly. And and you're putting it into the oven without adding any oil or butter or fat to it or oh, any I'm, I'm making it real simple like you can you check some check some but like you don't really have to like you can add seasoning after right like really you just want to come out with a crispy well-cooked bird like right. oil, oil it up like i would do i would do heaps of other stuff i'd chuck a load of butter under the skin yeah that's what i do season it with lemon myrtle and all this wanky shit yeah okay we're talking about doing a bog standard like, yeah, delicious just, like, just, roast chicken cook a really great roast chicken so yeah you want to take it to room temp before you um, put it in the oven no I don't really worry about that really like, like again like it would help and it would yeah it might it would help you cook it a bit more evenly but it just takes time yeah like, the, okay. one, the one step I think would make the biggest difference is leaving it in the, leaving it in the fridge unwrapped overnight yep and well, having a good chook and then cooking it upside down so breast oh. breast side down for the first 20 minutes yeah, right. Because that means the heat can get to all those underneath bits, like the leg and the thighs, the oyster bits. They can actually get cooked. It's really hard to get them nicely cooked when it's all just sitting on it and no heat's kind of circulating to it. Yeah. So I just cook it like that for like 20 minutes, get that a little bit brown, get that cooking, and then turn it back over, breast side up, and then you're cooking it as normal. Wow. Then cool. hopefully, when the skin is real nice and crispy and brown, you pull it out. You rest it for about half an hour, 20, 20 minutes, half an hour, like a good long time. Let it kind of settle, let it soak up all its juices again. Do you cover it in foil when you rest it? Um, yeah, it's not the worst idea to do. What happens then though is you do get a lot of steam yeah. trapped in there and you, and you end up with the skin getting Well, that's the, that's the Well, yeah, that's the trade-off. So how do you rest your chicken? So just rest, rest it, just leave it out. And just then, leave it out. Yeah, and then literally you know, before you want to serve, the skin should stay pretty crispy for a while. 
But before you want to serve it, real hot oven, just pop it back in for five minutes. Yeah, okay. And then like you're not gonna you're not gonna reheat it in the middle after that. Yep. You're just gonna have a nice crispy chicken. Yep. Okay, awesome. And, and um otherwise there's always that thing of like trying to stab the leg and the leg's always just like soggy and maybe a little bit pink and the breast's overcooked. So you just need to try and even it up. So turn yep. it upside down like that. Just helps it even up the cooking time a little bit. Makes sense. Mm. It's always like when you roast the chicken as well, it's like you've always got one like soggy white side and then one like nice crispy brown side. Yeah, like exactly, if you could yeah. kind of distribute that out throughout the whole chicken, yeah. it sort of makes a bit of sense. Well, it's just because it's a chicken's a stupid shape. Like I've, I've tried before, I've done before where I've like roasted a chicken whole to where the breast's perfect, taken it out, let it rest for five minutes, taking the legs off, put them back in the oven on a tray to finish cooking and then get that skin crispy. Yep. And then pulling them out. Yep. Which really is the kind of maybe the best way. Yeah. It's just more effort. What do you What do you like to? This is so simple, Simon. I didn't expect it to be so simple. I thought it'd be like all these wanky little tricks and stuff. Well, there's mate. heaps yeah. of wanky tricks. Like you can add to it. Like the, when I did when I did on Christmas, I did like all the wanky tricks in the book. So what did you add? What What's the wanky Christmas tricks? Uh, so I brined it, like dried it overnight, then I stuffed under the skin with lemon myrtle butter. Yep. rubbed salt over it, stabbed a lemon a couple of times, stuck that in the cavity. Um, I, I, I've done that in the past. I feel like it's it's too lemony sometimes when there's yeah, lemon in the cavity. Yeah, you can yeah. get some like real lemony flavors to it. Yeah. Um, I like now if I'm doing lemon in the cavity, I'll go like a wedge of lemon and some rosemary and that's it or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, check something up there. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, then I roasted it upside down at like... 200 turned it over for like 25 minutes turned it over did it like 200 for 25 minutes then I turned the oven right up and cooked it for another like 30 minutes 40 minutes until it was done mm-hmm. to finish again crispy yep so it's like heaps of little step but that's why I like like it's kind of the quickest way to make it better at home I think if you take all these little steps and you do take your time and you've, and you've got time and you do all these little things right and you season it well, you know, even you buy slightly better salt to season it, yep. you, know, you do some nice cracked pepper, you make, make a little compound butter to sort of stuff under it, take your herbs, take your lemon, you take all these little steps and you take a little time and care and you roast it properly and you kind of think about what you're doing and you think about how the heat distribution is happening and what's cooking and what's the best way to do about it and you spend all that time over it and it comes out and it tastes really fucking good. And I think that is kind of the essence of cooking for me is doing all those little extra parts and taking a little bit more time, a little bit more thought and ending up with a much better product. Yep. And that's kind of why I think a, a really well roast chicken is like my favorite food. Yeah, awesome. That's such good tips. I think that like a lot of what you just said sort of translates into all cooking. It's just like yeah, use good produce and actually pay attention to your methodology. Like yeah, think if, you, about it. if you pay attention to detail, then you just end up with a better result and, and start simple. Like if you, if you don't think you can roast an awesome chicken, then don't go start digging into fucking Heston's perfect roast chicken where you've got to like, it's like a seven day process. Yeah. Like just, just follow Simon's r- yeah, perfect just- roast chicken. And um, yeah, makes sense. Um, all right, I'm 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 gonna go. I'm gonna tell you what my favorite thing is. So my favorite, my stock answer for what's my favorite thing to eat is Sydney Rock oysters. Yeah, right. Yeah, shocker, shocker. Yeah, amazing. But I feel like there's a lot of like when it comes to to preparing oysters, 
there's certain there's like we can just get in let's just get into the minutiae of how I like to do it and, and see if you agree with me yeah. um Firstly, like, and I guess this is like a cooking tips, uh, small bite segment for people out there who, you know, like just w- want to hear some shit from us. But uh, you got to shuck them straight away. Like, like I don't ever buy oysters that are unshucked. You like have to do it yeah. yourself. Yeah. Like that's that's the that's the first thing. And get get the best oysters that you can that you can find. And it's pretty easy to to shuck an oyster. It is. It is. It's not. It's not difficult. You can. With a little guide or a book or a video, yep. you'll be able to do it safely and easily. Decent little knife. Own. Yeah. Or, or get a proper shucker. Don't, That's like, it. Just, yeah, don't use a knife or a screwdriver yep. or something fucking stupid. So, like, a good oyster knife, and for people out there, like, my favorite oyster knife that I have, and I've got a few, and I've, been, I've bought, like, expensive ones and i bought cheap ones, is you get them from fishing shops. They're these little ones with a black handle, and they've got quite a sharp quite a sharp tip yeah. and they just work really well for me I really yeah, like them that's what we use at the restaurant yeah they're literally the best ones you yeah buy. like I've got a few different types and the ones with the black handles from the fishing shops are yeah. the bomb um, so get some and then a, a lot of the time like if you are buying um, if you're buying unshucked oysters usually there'll be two or three grades like ages on the oysters depending on where you're getting them from you might be able to get some that are like three years old you might get some that are two years old and then sometimes they call them like okay these are our bistro ones these are our these are our um you know like a grade ones or whatever like if you want to if you want the best experience which is what we're talking about just get the best ones that they have get like the the biggest plumpest oldest like not like ones that ones ones that they have and you'll pay a bit more for them but um you know generally buying them still in the shell you 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 pay a good price for them anyway you know so if you're buying them from a from a fishmonger or straight from an oyster farm they'll be so much cheaper than what you'd pay for a dozen in a restaurant yeah like you you really get like a shit ton for what you'd pay for a dozen so that's it you can basically afford to buy more buy better ones yeah i i bought i bought i think it was 30 oysters this is down in Bermagui um something like 30 oysters or like yeah something like 30 oysters for 40 dollars yeah or something like that yeah yeah Yeah, which is which is amazing and my favorites in terms of Sydney rocks that I've come across I've had a lot but I think two of my two of my favorite ones are Shane Buckley's organic Wapengo Lake oysters from down in Bermagui I really like the Tarthra oysters as well, and I really like the Claire de Lune oysters from Moonlight Flat in Batemans Bay. They're probably my top three. I've had, like, I mean, I've had shitloads of oysters everywhere, and I always fucking love them, but if I can remember, you know, the ones that that really stood out to me, it's been those three, um, those three farms. And then, so, when when I shuck oysters, I... You, like you, you definitely have to try to remember to remove any grit that might be left in your oyster after um, after shucking it, which is it, it, may, it just makes sense. But it's usually just a matter of like running your finger down the sides and yeah. just removing any any shell that gets in there. People when they shuck oysters get a little bit scared of actually like touching the oyster. Yeah, as long as your hands are clean, it's fine. Yeah, you can touch the oyster. Like you can literally pull it out of the shell. Like sometimes you get some that are. Particularly gritty in the grits all through the liquid, so you're going to discard that liquid, 
Um, if it's a fresh oyster, it's not going to make too much difference. As long as you actually like kind of clean the oyster shell out yeah. of any little residue or bits that are there, and then pop it back in. Yeah, like you can you can do that. That's fine. Yep. And so I um I I actually pour I I don't know if you'll crucify me for this, but I actually pour all the liquid out. Well, so that, yeah, that's some- that's in the shell when you, when you fir- when you should first shuck it. I pour all that liquid out because mm-hmm. I think that so this is I'll tell you my my methods and you can you can tell me afterwards whether or not you agree with I them. Might, might fear your methods. Yeah, you might. Um, but I I pour all that liquid out because I I think that I've had experiences just over the years. I just think that sometimes you end up with what is more a mouthful of seawater than a mouthful of delicious oyster. Mm. But I. I know that some people are, are averse to to some people like to serve oysters still on the muscle, like still with the adductor muscle attached, yeah. and then they serve it with an oyster fork, and you detach it yourself, which gives you apparently like optimum freshness. Now, I mean, I'm detaching it from the adductor muscle like yeah. ten minutes before I'm eating it anyway. So I actually turn my oysters because I think that they present better. Yeah. So I. Detach them from the muscle, otherwise and you, then otherwise I, you can't really clean them and get any any grit out. Yeah, if you, don't, if you don't turn them. And so I turn them, and then I my favorite way of serving them is on crushed ice. So you can serve them on rock salt. You can serve them on uh, on whatever, like fucking pebbles or other oyster shells or whatever. But I like to serve them on crushed ice because I think that like if you turn them and then. Uh, and then get rid of the liquid. When you then put them on crushed ice, they they bleed more liquid back into the shell. But that's the liquid that you kind of want to be eating, yeah, yeah. in my opinion. And then they and they chill down really, really quickly to like that beautiful, like chilled oyster yeah. temperature. Like so there's, then there's a limit. You don't want to like sometimes you get an oyster and it is full to the brim. Yeah, you don't want that. You, you don't want, want too you much liquid in there. Of that. What do you want? Like you know, the, the the right amount, even if it's a little bit of kind of uh, seawater. Yeah, a little bit that's nice. You're not going to let it dry out too much. So yeah, it's just it's pour, pouring out a lot of that. And like I said, like a lot of time you'll have a little bit of grit in that liquid, and that will come out with that as well. Yeah, my uh, favorite condiments. So there's some people out there that are very much. Um, no condiment people. Mm. There's people out there that are just lemon people. There's people out there that are open to heaps of different condiments. Some people out there cook them. Cook you can cook them. Um, but my favourite condiment is just the classic mignonette, and I I go like the a fucking eighth of a turn of finely ground black pepper. An eighth. Just the tiniest little An turn. Eighth of the tiniest well, turn you can imagine. Yeah, just the tiny little dust. Just like how many specks are we talking? We're talking like forty-seven specks of what? of pepper per oyster. They're small specks. They're pretty small specks. Forty-seven per oyster. <laughs> oh, fucking, I don't know. Seems I just like, messed the number like up. Specks. I'm like, yeah. If I'm gonna start getting my apprentice to count them out. Yeah. Portion them up before serving. So what? It, do you um? Tell me. Do you like? Do you basically follow the same? Methodologies I do in serving oysters. Uh, like yeah, at the we, restaurant. we serve them in little fancy wooden bowls filled with rocks. With rocks. With rocks. Right. Um, but do you, do you find like? But we, do we, you find they're cold enough? Do you chill? Do, well, they so chill? ours come out of the. You put the rocks the, in the fridge. The, well, no, ours come out of the service fridge. And yeah. Okay. Then I shuck them, put them on this, and they go straight out to the restaurant. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. They're, they're they're cold. Yeah, they're cold. Um, 
We do actually uh, store our oysters at, uh, in the wine fridge at 14 degrees, though. Yep. So guys from Appalachian Oysters have been doing some tests and studies recently, and they found that they keep for like a, a stupid amount of time longer. Um, and we found the same thing. They, they keep fresh um, and of quality for like twice as long as they would in a, in a fridge that's down at like two, three degrees. Yeah. Well, I, um, I always store, like just at home, I never put oysters in the fridge. I store them on the laundry floor, on the tiles, yeah. like in a wet hessian bag or like even in like just put them on a wet piece of newspaper like mm. in some wet newspaper or, yeah, well, yeah, cause it's, or it's something keeping in the like keeping the fridge kind of you think it makes sense but it's not the temp they're, they're still alive and it's not the temperature they would be living at mm. it's too cold for them so you, you're basically killing them at that temperature yeah so it kind of makes sense when you think about it yeah exactly mm. you should get a special service? like whereas like i want to get like a specialized wine fridge for my house mm. with different temperatures in it You'd want to get a specialized oyster fridge, yeah. Where you can like zone in on each temperature. Be like, so I got my Tarthras at uh, fourteen degrees, <laughs> and uh, my Claire de Lunes are at sixteen. Yeah, As a recommended, a little bit. Um, <laughs> Still have a little tartar texture, so like to keep the temperature down a little bit. <laughs> oyster sommelier. Uh, um, all right. Well, should we should we talk about some other some other things that we like to eat? Uh, or yeah, let's, let's talk about macas. Maccas. Really? <laughs> I don't eat Maccas anymore. I'm done with Maccas. None at all. Uh, I agree. Maybe once a year, I reckon. I, I, I just think people who act like they don't like Maccas are just like... It's like people who drink coffee without... I, it's like people who drink coffee without milk. They look down on I don't else. not like it. I just no, people, people don't People drink coffee without it. sugar. Like, just look down on other people. Yeah. You think that? Yeah. It's like, oh, do you have sugar in your yeah. coffee? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, oh. Well, do you know, like, do you know who else has sugar in their coffee? Who? Um, like... Like twelve-year-olds who drink mockers. <laughs> so, if you want to be in with them, then that's okay. But, exactly. Coffee, um, I'm, I'm happy to be an adult. Coffee snobbery. Um. <laughs> coffee snobbery around everywhere. Oh, you have you have milk with yours, do you? Mm. Yeah, just. Uh, oh, there's no shame in having milk in your coffee. Oh right, shame in yeah. having a little bit. Of Mate, sugar. the World Barista Championships. You got to make a cappuccino. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's cup, a, part, a cappuccino it's a, or a a, ca- a cup of chino. A cup. Of, apparently, cappuccino is like a thing. I saw it. Mm. What does that argue, mean? I don't know. I saw an argument about it in like hospitality made me hate people. Apparently, in like RSLs, like people order a cup of Chino. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> this is a real an, thing. An espresso. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Double shot espresso. Cup of cup, Chino. Cup of Chino, please. Hilarious. Um, what? So, do you actually want to talk about Maccas, or no, we just it was more of a joke? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if if we're going back to Maccas, I I just remember um. One of my mates used to order a, a Big Mac with chicken patties instead of instead of beef patties. And, like, it was actually really good. I remember I having it one time. Right? You can get that there sometimes. You basically now. do whatever. Like, well, I think yeah, you can yeah, just make whatever you want now. Want. Yeah. It's just fucking a bit of a nightmare for the staff there. But anyway. Oh, well, let them have it. Yeah. Um, what else, Simon? What else is what else is on your um, in your faves list? I, I really like... I, Big lamb fan. I don't eat a lot of lamb anymore. Mm. We don't really have it on the restaurant too much, so I don't really eat too much of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, how how did you like? If let's talk about um, like I mean it's beautiful. Like I mean we can easily say we'd love a fucking lamb shoulder, like because everyone mm. does roasted. But like if maybe if it was like the type of lamb dish, if you had if you had like a less you know native focused restaurant, but like how would you like to sort of serve lamb as a really good expression of um. Like, for, of a good piece of lamb for like slow cooked like braised lamb neck is a great cut mm. really nice meaty pieces but still real gelatinous um, 
And then for a cut, you can cook, you can serve pink. The rump is yep. just bloody good eating. Yeah. Um, we've had it on the restaurant before. It's one of those cuts. It does have a lot of, like, as a cross section, has a lot of fat, a lot of connective tissue. Um, and then obviously in between that, has some amazing, um, beautiful texture, pink, uh, tasty kind of meat to it. Yep. Every time we put it on the restaurant, someone always has to fucking spoil it for everyone and just complain about, like, oh, it's really fatty. Yeah, and it's right. like, or it's like, oh, it's chewy, and it's like, well, not all meat is supposed to be like a fillet steak. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know why people have a problem with chewing. Yeah, it's a real issue with chewing with I've, some people. I've got a, um, I've got a. It tasted delicious. Got a, it wasn't. It was. It was a bit tough. I've got a lamb rump story, like a kitchen nightmares style oh, lamb, nice. lamb rump story. Um, it used to be on at a restaurant that I was working at, and, uh, and. Unfortunately for this customer, uh, the lamb had bot fly. <laughs> what? So it like it's this type of fly yeah. that lays eggs underneath the, yeah, the, yeah. the into the muscle of, of animals. And she got- and this one just slipped through the cracks, right? So like you obviously don't cut into a piece of meat while you're preparing it, unless yeah, yeah. you're slicing it or whatever. So we cooked th- this person this piece of lamb, and like it it was. Uh, I think we yeah we sous vide, sous vide it first and then and then just finished it and yeah. served it and this person cut into their lamb rump and there was a pocket of maggots inside the the meat wow. like in the muscle that <laughs> yeah is, that cooked maggots sous vide yeah, dude, maggots like yeah <laughs> about <sighs> the worst you can get like as a chef like, sort of thing yeah that's yeah. like nightmares for everyone fucking luckily i actually knew the customers and they were and they were legends but do you know what do you know what was the worst com, one of the worst com, things about com. it one of the worst things about it the the person that was on their table didn't take like we gave them a free dessert but the person that was on their table didn't take that lamb dish off their bill like <sighs> Like it was obviously an accident, or just like you know, just like a new staff member or something like that. So they got to the end of it, and they were like, they were like, yeah, like, we, sorry, do we still have to pay for the, yeah, like? Yeah. <laughs> I know you gave us a free dessert. But, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there's your like, oh, non-sequitur, with like yeah, related sort of lamb like, kitchen nightmare. Yeah, when when something like that fucks up, it's like ninety nine percent of the time, like you'll just do another little fuck up. Because you're worrying about every every other thing that table might do and everything might say, and then like yeah, you just forget to take off the bill. And for one last time that night, you look like a dickhead. Exactly. It's like okay, now we're definitely or, or not coming just, back here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, not only are these guys idiots, and they let maggot lamb come onto yeah, the menu, yeah. but they're also charging. They tried it. to charge yeah. for it as well. <laughs> yeah. It was a free dessert though. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Big fan of lamb rump. Lamb rump. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. But again, you have to go. You kind of have to go to your butcher and get a, a good quality lamb rump. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you get hold of uh, salt salt bush lamb, it's, yeah, it's excellent quality. The um the best lamb probably some of the best lamb that I've come across from Wales. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're from right, Wales, Steph, you're right. It's yeah, from Wales. Wales. What are the what's the breed that they use in Wales? Well, there's actually a lot or a bunch. Uh, so there's there's quite a few different breeds. There's one that's kind of like a a native uh, breed called Bol Bolwyn lambs, which actually are a small like a small breed of lamb. Right, super tasty really great fat content okay um something you see in the uk more is more emphasis on the breed of the animal and there's a lot more information mm. freely given which you don't see in australia quite so much even like cows like you, re- you i mean there's there's actually I think there's less availability of different breeds of cow but um it's just something you see on people's menus more people will, like name check 
the breed of cow mm. rather than just being like you know wagyu mm. angus mm. yeah um, for sure something like, yeah so you can see something like dexter which is a i think it's a native english breed yep which is pretty delicious yep um and then so like what would you say the difference like between welsh is it, it does it have a lot to do with sort of the the breed like the types of grass they no, they uh, feed on and things like that too yeah it's it's the fact that we shouldn't really have lambs in this country like like <laughs> yeah. we don't have good grass like yeah. we have, like you know until recently there's been no grass yeah so in wales it's fucking rains all the time so there's always the greenest you know grass full of nutrients full of everything they need um they also like live in quite hilly sort of hillsides as well so they have to you know they're, they're moving around a lot they're a bit more they exercise a bit more so there's a bit more flavor and texture to the lamb mm. um and just just good you know good history and good standards of it in australia like there's just nothing nothing for them to really eat like so they have to be art, you know, artificially eating with you know other things yep and it just produces not as good meat really mm-hmm. like this fair is, enough that's the end, end of the day of it it's cool like lamb, well lambs didn't come from here He's biased, ladies and gentlemen. He's biased towards Welsh lamb. Definitely. There's definitely some good lamb grown in Australia. No, there there is some good (laughs) good lamb to have. But um, it's kind of like we have to force it to be good. Yeah, that's kind of true. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm biased towards Welsh lamb. I'm also biased biased towards towards using land. Native Australian meats. Yeah, that's true. Um, I've definitely... You talked about uh, salt bush lamb. Another Mm. fantastic lamb is the Flinders Island salt grass lamb. Yeah, yeah, Um, same thing. Which is extent? No, it's not. What do you mean? Same, salt bushes, salt. It's the same concept. They eat salty. Yes. Bushland. Because in Wales we have salt marshland. Well, like the thing about the salt grass is that because um, Flinders Island is such an exposed piece of land, like it's the sea breeze is settling on the grass. Yeah. And and that's and that's that's what they eat. Whereas, yeah. like, you can get salt bush lamb from. Um, you know, cowra that, yeah. that browse on actual salt bush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a kind of a different way of yeah, okay. injecting salt into the into the meat. In, in Wales, we have where the marshes come in, where the estuaries. So the land basically gets flooded for six months of the year. Yeah. Well, that's and the same. Then, they do, that's the same on Flinders Island. Yeah, think, right. So yeah. more similar. And then yeah. when the tiger goes out, then they they raise the the lambs on there. So they eat these naturally uh, salt tolerant plants. Yeah, I think I think on Flinders Island they browse. I don't know. I might be completely wrong, so please, if you if you know out there, you can correct me by um, finding us and getting in contact with us. But I think they browse on Samfire and shit like that too. Yeah, yeah, like, would, yeah, yeah. Um, and then also, I want to shout out to when we talk, when, when we're talking about lamb, I always talk about Vince Heffernan, who has um, Morland's Biodynamic Lamb in Dalton, which is outside uh, of Goulburn in New South Wales, and. Uh, he he raises Texel Texel lamb out there, which is like a bit of a not traditionally um, a meat like a meat a meat breed, but um, he, he it's it's just fucking great. Like it's just amazing. And his fa- his farm, he's if you follow it's it's Heffen and Vince on Instagram. He 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 talks a lot about you know the, his practices for building his farm, but it's a completely biodynamic farm. He's planted himself and his wife have planted thousands and thousands and thousands into the tens of thousands of native trees and vegetation to create an ecosystem there where they don't have to drench their don't have to drench their animals because there's enough 
uh, like wasps and 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 you know animals in the ecosystem to eat any of the bugs that that, that threaten them. Mm. Uh, it's just beautiful. They've they've completely repaired their their river systems and stuff there, and have just created this beautiful ecosystem. And um, their attention to soil quality and 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 not overgrazing uh, is is just amazing it's just so beautiful such a beautiful place uh and 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 vince is just such a um a thoughtful farmer and 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 cares so much about the land that he 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 lives on and that he that he farms on um you can go back to like one of the old capital cookbook episodes of of this podcast if you go back through the archive and listen to me chatting to vince about what he does out there but that's a really really cool um product as well good plug Good plug. Good plug. Yeah. yeah. On your Vince. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I was trying to think of some other stuff that I really like to eat. Kind of, this question always gets into like, do you start talking about dishes or ingredients? Yeah. Or like, so I'm like, well, the thing I eat most of is probably like rice. Like I <laughs> okay. love, I eat like heaps of rice dishes. Where do it's you? Like curry or fried rice or like stir fry yeah yeah whatever it is i eat a lot of like paella like even like chili con carne like i eat a lot of rice based dishes Mm. so realistically like rice would be one of my favorite things to eat (laughs) rice but it's you know it's so but that's just the and like i mean we can get into we can have a chat to whoever about like different varieties of rice and stuff like that but yeah but yeah it's just you you kind of depends on how you define what your favorite is like like do you start picking meals or like, and then it's like my you'd like, what's your favorite meal? And you'd be like, oh, well, it was the meal I had at Aria. Like, yeah. You're like, oh, is it you know, spack bowl? Yeah, exactly. Like, which, what are we talking here? Yeah. If we go down that path, fucking osobuko has always been one of my favorite things to to eat. Just yeah, right. sucking the marrow out of a yeah. osobuko bone and and just having a really fucking fall what, apart. What, what would you have your osobuko with? Uh papardelle. I'd oh, say with pasta. Yeah. Yeah, or, right. or like I've I've done it with polenta like a few soft, times. Yeah, soft polenta. Yeah, soft polenta's fucking rad. I I I wouldn't eat it with rice, and I wouldn't eat it with potato. Well, like I wouldn't prepare it at home with rice or potatoes. I'd, mashed potato. I I way prefer polenta or pasta. Yeah. Right. And uh, like I recently made a I recently made one where I actually just like pulled apart the meat and made it in, into a ragu. Like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It well, was if a. If I wasn't do pasta. I'd do it like that. it was a it was a yeah it was a osabuco ragu and i mixed the bone marrow through that and shit as well and yeah, it was nice. fucking so delicious yeah. bit of gremolata i like i'm using gremolata a lot recently found a gremolata native gremolata oh yeah Salt, uh, sea parsley <laughs> mm. beautiful should we leave it there simon yeah why not all right no worries we can get back into more um more stuff that we like to eat and cook more yeah. cooking tips and shit like that later on but this is just a way for us to fill some time and have a chat cool sweet thanks hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.